Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome. Thanks for joining in with us today. I'm going to speak to you today that you are the leader that you need to be. I want to think about that for a moment. You know, I wish I had this advice when I stumbled into the corporate world at the young age of 19. Back then, the world leader was scary to me, and I never believed that I was any kind of a leader for decades on end. Well, today's a different day, different time, different culture. So let's give you something really important on this topic. Today, we're going to discuss some important leader methodology. And the end result of this, well, how about happier customers and increased market share? How about increased morale and productivity? This may help you climb up to that first million and beyond. We're going to talk about happy leader methodology with Tia Graham. And later in this episode, we have two insider briefs for you. The first is about businesses taking life-centric paths to grow and sustain relevance. The second one is about a new book titled, radically human. Stay tuned for them and tell me what you think. And while we're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. We want to help you get really successful, get very successful at growing your business to a high sustainable level. In fact, we're going to help turn you into an an elite entrepreneur. Meet Tia Graham. She's an expert on positive psychology and engagement. She's worked with some of the biggest names out there, such as Hilton Hotels and Goldman Sachs. She's featured in all the major media, such as CNN and Forbes. I'm going to let her tell you more about it. Let's get into it. Hi, Tia. Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Thank you for having me. Tia, we're all looking forward to growing our business using happy leader methodology. That's an interesting term, interesting phrase. So let's try this. How did it all start for you? What's your backstory? So I uh, got also went into corporate America young and leadership young. My background is I studied the business of tourism at the University of Hawaii, and I went into a 15-year career in the luxury hospitality industry, Um, and I was a director of sales and marketing at the age of 26 years old, and I worked in the Hawaiian Islands. I led teams in New York City. Istanbul, Turkey, and then in Los Angeles for brands such as Sheraton, Weston, W Hotels, and The London. And in my hotel career, I had some incredible, inspirational, happy leaders. And I also had some very toxic, negative leaders. And that's a very big, one of the big motivators for me to write the book and do this work. And six years ago, I started my own company, Arrive at Happy. And started researching positive psychology and getting certifications in neuroscience and positive psychology, happiness at work and coaching, et cetera. And my mission is really to teach and motivate leaders to number one, really prioritize their well being so that they're more successful in all areas of their life and to really increase the happiness of their teams so that people. People do better and businesses grow. 
Tia, this is really interesting. You, you've made a business out of helping leaders. And somewhere along the line, you know, you could have gone into anything in your life. But somewhere along the line, you thought, hey, I'm good at this. I can do something with this. I can create a business out of this. I can, I can make a career. So I'd like to see if we can talk and tap into that vision that you had that kind of started that for you. Yes. So happiness has always been very important to me. I um, learned some lessons in my childhood about happiness from my parents. And um, after a few years of being pretty lost, when I I moved from Canada to Hawaii and was very happy and really found my calling with the hospitality industry. And so throughout my 20s, People would ask me, whether it was hotel general managers or friends or clients I was working with, people would ask me, how do you stay so happy? Where do you get this positive energy from? Even when there's challenges, you know, you're this cheerleader of we can get through this. And so um, in my early 30s, that's when I first started thinking about this idea of, I believe I can make, I can help other people. You know, I, I think that I have this whether it's partly genetic, based on choices, you know, et cetera, I believe I can help other people because on it, I was, I was pretty clear at that point on the spectrum, I'm happier than most people. And then um, when I went back to work after having my second daughter and I was really searching for more happiness as my life circumstance had changed so much, that's when I started formally researching happiness and discovered the science of happiness. Um, and so, yeah, it was, was all of a sudden having a toddler and a baby. That was the catalyst to, Hey, you know, this idea that you've had this business idea you've had, uh, maybe now's the time to do something about it. You had this vision, you created this company, you're out there really making great strides in this industry. You've helping businesses, big companies that I mentioned in the intro, but now it begs the question, Tia. Why do you do it? What, why is it important to you to do what you're doing? What's your purpose on this? Yes. So thank you for asking that. You know, my purpose is to inspire, motivate, and teach as many people as possible before I die. I mean, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. And when I learned about all of the incredible research coming out of Harvard and Yale and Stanford and Berkeley, And I also quickly realized that not a lot of people know about all of this incredible research. And I studied with Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar, who taught positive psychology at Harvard. And very quickly, I was like, I don't know about this. I don't think very many people know about all of this incredible research that helps people be more successful and happier and helps businesses be more successful and people happier, you know, in business. I call myself a happiness practitioner. You know, I'm not a researcher at Harvard. I'm constantly reading and getting all the latest research and spreading it to as many people as possible. And it really um, makes people feel hopeful and it makes people feel in the driver's seat, whether as a leader or just as a human being. Um, And so that's really what gives me purpose is that the research is so valuable that I believe everyone on earth needs to know about it. We're talking about Happy Leader Methodology with Tia Graham, and you can find her at arrive at happy.com. What a great phrase, arrive at happy.com. 
Check it out. You're going to like it. You're going to find out uh, information about her new book that we're going to talk about, The Happy Leader. And we're going to just kind of dive into this a little bit, Tia. We're going to dive into your vision path and this journey that you've been on. Here we are. We're entrepreneurs. We're business owners. Some of us are startups. We want to crack that next level, you know, that we're, we're trying to attain. So please help us learn. And I think the first place I'd like to start, Tia, is talk about this science. Is there science behind happiness? Isn't it just smile and walk around? Let's kind of dive into this without being too silly. Yes. Yeah. So there is so much science. I think right now, probably approximately 1,800 research articles in the United States, and that's not even counting what's happening internationally. So the science started in the late 90s um, in the United States. The president of the American Psychology Association, Dr. Martin Seligman, really said, okay, we have all of these thousands of psychologists studying people who are really unhappy, people with bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, chronic depression, et cetera. And of course, there's been profound research and it's, it's extremely helpful and we should keep studying that. But he said... What if we start studying really happy people? There's about 8% of the population that is quite happy consistently. Let's study those people. Let's also study what's happening when people are feeling more of those positive emotions than the painful ones. And let's also study how we can help people move from challenging situations in their life and get them back to feeling happy. And so the science of happiness is about how humans thrive. And according to positive psychologists and the neuroscience work as well, right? How the human brain can, knowing the human brain can help us be happier. The first is, is understanding how to have more positive emotions than painful ones. It's not that happy people don't have painful emotions, but how you can have more of those positive. And there's, and I can give a lot of examples. The second part is about how to have meaning and purpose. And you asked me about that meaning and purpose in your life from your work, as well as aspects of your personal life, because people that have meaning and purpose are happier and more successful. And then the third part is about having a variety of experiences and different experiences in your life. And so there's different models. Um, one that I teach and study is from Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar, who was previously at Harvard, and it covers five different areas of life, spiritual well-being, physical well-being, intellectual well-being, relational well-being, and emotional well-being. And there is, there's many different areas under each of these that are proven ways that you can increase your well-being. And for everyone, you know, I know the audience of entrepreneurs and people running businesses, there is also a tremendous amount of research that directly connects happiness to business success, to career success. And so um, it sounds maybe like, I don't know, let's say soft skills or, or a warm and fuzzy topic, but it directly connects to growing revenue, increasing our profitability, increasing customer satisfaction, productivity, motivation, morale, et cetera. That's really interesting. Uh, and I really want to tackle some of these points. And as you're talking about this, I started to time travel back in my corporate days. And I've had 
bosses that have never smiled always mean at me this is the this is the corporate world i grew up in this is just how it was back then or whatever and i and i'm not trying to be cynical i don't know that i can be but let's just try this very let's just try this as a cynical question why does a leader need to be happy and smile isn't that's like the wrong thing why why i mean i've lived it but this is a different world now so why does leadership require happiness today so when leaders are happy and positive optimistic while they're working while they're leading a team whether it's virtually hybrid or in person they themselves are more innovative productive and they're going to be more successful they are actually going to get promoted more and get more accolades so that's you know what's in it for them this is the tony dierso show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path just ahead the chat continues happy leader methodology with tia graham but first it's time for us to take a short break see you back here in just a moment You should know what that already means. That's the best kind of notification. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment that another business dream becomes a reality. And I'm sure that you know that Shopify is a commerce platform that's revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling succulents or stilettos or flaky salt or fine art prints, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And it's packed with industry-leading tools that are ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. What's incredible to me about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify is there to empower you with the confidence and control to revolutionize your business and take everything to the next level. That's possibility powered by Shopify. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Tony, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Tony to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Tony. And I'll spell that S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash T-O-N-Y. And cha-ching your way to the top with Shopify. You're listening to the Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Erso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Happy Leader Methodology with Tia Graham. And check out my Elite Entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can listen to just about every interview I ever recorded at Tony. D-U-R-S-O 
dot com slash podcast. And I do mean all seven years of interviews are found on the Master Archives at Tony, D-U-R-S-O, dot com slash podcast. And now back to the chat with Tia. And the leadership side, they are going to have less unwanted turnover. Their team is going to be more motivated. If they're leading a sales team, which I led sales teams for 14 years, happy leaders create happy sales professionals and happy sales professionals sell 37% more than sellers who are neutral or have a negative mindset, directly impact sales. Customers are going to be affected. Um, And then for that leader themselves, you know, everything in life is interconnected. So if a leader is not happy and, you know, their, their work doesn't make them feel positive and they don't make other feel, people feel positive, their personal relationships are going to suffer, whether it be their marriage, their children, their friends and family relationships. And it also affects your physical health. The mind and the body are 100% connected. So someone that is leading in a company right now and is feeling negative and unhappy most of the time, they're probably going to have health health issues as well. So it's really, really important both for the person as well as for the team. The research shows that it takes a 20% increase in salary. This is Gallup research to lure someone away from an engaged leader. So if you have a leader that's happy and engaged, it takes a lot of money to lure someone away. Whereas if the person's not that happy, someone might leave for less money. So those are a few of the big reasons. Those are so true. I know people that will not leave their job even for more money because they love it there. Exactly. That just speaks volumes all by itself. Exactly. Tia, we're going to talk about your new book, which has the title of Be a Happy Leader. And there's an eight-step methodology in it. We may not be able to get to all of them, but I would sure love to know what are these steps? Can we start with step one? Sure. So do you want me to just give, do you want me to tell you a little bit about each step or just go through what they are? Oh, tell us a little bit about each step. We'll spend a few moments, you know, a few minutes on each on, on step one at a time. Okay, perfect. So the first step is start with you. And this is where I teach leaders using the science of happiness and neuroscience, how to increase and create sustainable well-being for themselves. Step two is zoom out. So I teach leaders how to have a broad perspective in business and leading their team so that they have better relationships and, of course, better results. Tia, could we give more information on, on each step as you go through? Oh, sure. You want me to give a little bit more? Yeah, sort of like because um, it goes over our head, or at least it went over my head. It's like, what? Why is that important? Why do I need it? I like to dive into it. And I'd rather learn some of the steps really thoroughly than hear about all of them without really getting it into my brain, so to speak. Right. Maybe I'm different, but when I get into something, I like to really zone into it. Okay. What more can I learn from that? Sure, sure. And I'll give some practical um, things that people can do too, which might be helpful. So step one, start with you, is a non-negotiable for leaders today, especially with the way that the world of work is and the intergenerations that are working together and the expectations of people working. Step one is about taking care of your 
physical, mental health, your emotions, your relationships, etc. And to to give a couple um, practical takeaways is I say to leaders that you have to be taking care of your psychological health, right? Your your mind. And I, I say you need to nourish your mind the way you nourish your stomach and you nourish your body. So how do you do this? You do this by investing in professional development, listening to incredible podcasts, reading books, watching TED Talks, and being inspired and motivated and learning. You know, something that negatively affects a leader's mindset would be waking up and watching the news for 30 minutes in the morning. That makes people feel very negative in a way to start their day. So that's an example of how do you make sure that you are in a place of high well-being, mind, body, relationships, Etc. The second step of zooming out, a lot of leaders are leading a team, you know, leading organization, and there's other teams or divisions within the organization. And it's very easy for leaders to get siloed and to have a tunnel vision and to just focus on their part of the business. And so, what I do is I teach leaders how to truly think like an owner of the business, even if you might not own it, right? You might be a director, you might be, uh, you might not be owning the business, but how do you have the perspective of the owner when making decisions, when working with colleagues, when leading your team so that you will, you know, progress and get promoted faster, but also be able to drive results faster because you truly are thinking like an owner, that's the zoom out step. I like to make a couple comments on this. On the on the first one, I really like what you say about, and I've noticed this a lot too over the years, where when you're watching or even reading a newspaper, you're watching the news or reading a newspaper, it, sometimes you just feel like, you know, a little depressed or what's the use? Except when you go into the business section, then you go, oh, hey, I can, you start, you start thinking, I could do this, I could do this. Look at what they do. I find the business section sometimes very, um, a little bit exciting, especially when you realize the opportunities that come out there. And I love those articles because you kind of read in between the lines of what's going to happen. And, and I haven't read the, the news in a while, but it used to be almost like, one is the bad news and one is, this is what you can do in your future. This is where you should focus, i.e. the business type section. So I always found that very interesting. Uh, even though you may not have a billion dollars to throw in and buy this company or whatever, a little tease, but it still kind of puts you in that mindset. So that's, also, that's always very good. And that's kind of what I try to do with my podcast with entrepreneurs and business owners is to give them and show them what our elite entrepreneurs do and and give them some future thoughts and motivation. So I think that that, that part is, um, is something that I try to do. And I, and I think that what you mentioned about listening to podcasts and so forth is so important, especially if you can resonate with that which helps you and nourishes you to where you're going to go, i.e. a show like mine, for example. And there's a, there's a lot of good shows out there too. On step two, my comment is, Really? And again, I'm not trying to be cynical. I don't, I don't even think I've said that word in my life more than three times. But when I used to be in the corporate world, nobody wanted to, nobody cared or wanted to think of the boss. It was always this dichotomy. 
you know, people are against the establishment, against the leader, couldn't care, couldn't, couldn't, wouldn't give you a penny to know and care about what the boss or the leader, the boss that doesn't smile, remember? The leader that's always mad and angry that you never did good enough. Nobody cared what the leader thought or to think like a leader. They always, and this is how it was back then. It was very, it was more myopic of, you know, I put in my time, what can I get? This company's making so much money. How come I can't make more? Why can't they give me any? Why are they cheap? You know, it's a little bit negative thoughts. Now, this is from my position as middle manager, what the people under me would always be a lot, would always be thinking. And they never felt like they were getting or doing good enough to merit more, which is what they really wanted. But this is kind of like how that culture was back then. So I'm trying to think with your step two, I don't know what the culture is like today. So I, I plead the, the, what is it, the Fifth Amendment on that? I, I don't know. Is that really an important, you know, if you don't mind, again, is that, is that a really important point for the people today to take that point of view of the boss? I like that because the boss, he's just trying to do his job. And even the same when I was in middle management, people kind of were against me. And it was like, why? I'm trying to help you and help the company. So I'd love to focus a little bit more on that. And maybe you could comment on some of those points. Yes, yes, absolutely. There's you, my mind was going so much with everything you're saying. So I am a true believer that if you're someone listening right now and you have a boss that is negative and that makes you feel really, really unhappy and is draining your energy and is not using your strengths and focusing on your professional development, I would absolutely try and look for a new job, a new position, a new company. Life is way too short. I know there's some people that, you know, their financial position, maybe they can't move right now, but um, there are incredible bosses and leaders out there. And so I would say, try and go find those people and go find those companies that um, treat people with respect and kindness and care and invest in them. In terms of the, the second piece, when you zoom out and don't only think about your position, you are going to rise in your professional career faster and you're going to have more success because people that are above you, around you are going to notice that, oh, this person is not only caring about their job description and or their team that they're leading, they care about the entire organization and the success of the organization. They're a big thinker and they are looking at how the different divisions, the different departments work together. They're, they're a collaborator. They bring, bring, bring people together. They are investing in developing those peer relationships. And so for me, you know, as someone who started as a, as a director very young and I had an incredible career and I was very, you know, very young to be getting the kind of promotions I was getting. I always tried to think about, okay, what, what is the biz, what is the big boss thinking about? Like that's, yes, I'm a director of sales and marketing here. I'm running these five hotels. What do the owners care about? And, you know, even though I've never owned a hotel, maybe I will in the future, but um, that really, really supported my uh, you know, my career growth and my, uh, I was rewarded financially for doing so. Good point. Thank you. Great comments there on that. This is the Tony D'Urso show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others 
to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues. Happy Leader Methodology with Tia Graham. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Hey guys, I want to share something cool with you. I'm using Blinkist to get the important points of books. Now, they sponsored this episode and they opened up a whole new world for me. I'm currently listening to the key ideas and summary of The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. He really takes things down to a pure simplicity on willpower, habits, and routines. I love it. Now, Blinkist is perfect for us busy entrepreneurs on the go who really want to read, but too many projects and tasks compete for our attention. You know what I mean. So now you can get the most important summaries from over 5,500 nonfiction books and podcasts in just 15 minutes. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And it gets better with Blinkist Connect, where you can get two for the price of one. Hey, that's what our friends are for, right? I really hope you check this out. It's going to help you improve in 2023. And right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash D-U-R-S-O to start your seven-day free trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash D-U-R-S-O to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash D-U-R-S-O. And now for a limited time, you can even use Blinkist Connect to share your premium account. You will get two premium subscriptions for the price of one. And again, that's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash D-U-R-S-O. Check it out, read some great books, and take control of 2023. You're listening to The Tony D'Urso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Happy Leader Methodology with Tia Graham. And you can search through seven years of my interviews by going to TonyDurso.com slash podcast and then type in the keyword in the search. For example, type in the word intelligence and a number of episodes come up that have that in the topic. Check it out or type in your own keyword and see what you find. Go to TonyDurso.com slash podcast and type in the topic of your interest in the search. All right. And now back to the chat with Tia. All right, here we go. Let's go into step number three. Okay. So step three, I love, I mean, I love them all, but this one I'm very passionate about is called Execute Brilliantly. So before I had children, I would work um, 8 a.m. till 9 p.m., of course. And I, I was in the hotel industry. I would also work maybe not Saturdays, but I would pretty much work Sunday, almost every single Sunday. And I always was very busy. I was, you know, successful, had successful teams. And I I always worked very hard. And I always loved, I was, I say a happy workaholic, loved my career, worked hard and did a lot. But when I became a parent and I did not have the, let's say, luxury of staying at a hotel till 9 p.m., I had to leave at five. 
but I still had goals of, you know, $40 million, $60 million, depending where I was just because I had kids. It wasn't like, Oh, you're off the hook. You don't, you know, you don't have to achieve these results. I had to learn how to work really smart and how to increase my productivity. And so this step teaches people how to, and I will say during those years, when I had young children, I'm leading a team were the years where I was the most successful. I had years where on the annual reviews, it was like a hundred out of a hundred where the owner of the hotel, you know, came and said, Tia, we are so extremely happy with your results. Here's your annual bonus. And by the way, we're going to double it, which is like unheard of. Right. And not other people. I was the only one in the hotel getting that, you know, it was like secret of like, Tia's getting double bonus. So, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like I am working way less hours, way less, yet I'm being so much more effective. And I actually know that my team loved me as a leader more because I wasn't sending a million emails on Sunday. I wasn't sending emails at 8.30 PM on a Tuesday. Nobody wants that. And so in this step, I basically explain how I did it. And what I was doing, and it's a mindset of focus, prioritization, boundaries, what you want, what, how you focus on what you want to accelerate, what you want to delegate, and what you want to eliminate. You don't need to do everything. If you just focus on your three big goals and have alignment and get people behind those, that's how you can really excel. Um, so that's what that step is about. That's my favorite point too, and I don't know the others. A quick comment on that is I went from 80, maybe 100 hours a week, which is embarrassing as an entrepreneur. Yeah, a lot of people do, not embarrassing. Okay, okay, I won't be that embarrassed. Yeah, no. I went from that to an amount of hours that I just don't want to scare anyone with but it's really quite a, a, a reduction. Let's put it that way, a serious reduction in hours. And the reverse, with the reverse of the revenue, the income has proportionately swapped from you know high hours, maybe because you're starting off, right? So you don't have any, there's not much income because you're brand new. So high hours, low income to, to the opposite, you know, low hours, uh, high income, because you're executing brilliantly. and. Everything that you've just said totally resonates with me. And all I can say to the audience is zone in and absorb every word on step three. That's, that's where it's at. That's, that's the key. We got five more points. Let's go into step number four. Okay. So I will say um, step four and step five go together. So, and, but I'll start with step four. So step four is prioritize relationships over to-do lists. This comes from my own leadership experience as well as the research and learning that I got when I went over to Scandinavia to become a certified chief happiness officer for happiness at work. Um, and I did that in Copenhagen in Denmark. The Danish people are significantly happier while working than people in the United States. So 49% of Danes say that they are extremely happy while working. Pre-pandemic, the number in the United States was about 13%. Now, of course, as a smaller country, you can't necessarily compare 
But I wanted to go over there and understand how are CEOs running their companies where people are so happy while they're working. And there's a lot of key points to this, but relationships over to-do list is you're a busy leader, you're a busy entrepreneur, you're an executive, and you have a lot to do and you have people working for you. It is very easy to put more of your time and energy into your to-do list than into your people because you're busy, you have a lot of different strategies and initiatives you're working on, so you're doing your work. And you may, let's say, cancel the one-on-ones that you have with your direct reports or maybe not do one-on-one meetings at all. You might not have regular team meetings because you feel like you don't have time. Everyone just needs to keep doing their work. You may not feel like investing in training them or giving them professional development opportunities or you know, getting to know them individually really, really well, more than just, you know, what they do at work is, is worth your time. You might think I got to focus on my to-do list on everything I need to get done. And what I teach people is it's the opposite. Spend more time with your people, never cancel a one-on-one, make sure you always have the team meetings, make sure you get to know people so extremely well that you are so connected to them. And when you do that, your to-do list will shrink. Your job becomes so much easier because people are connected to you. They are motivated to be working with you. They're going above and beyond. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues. Happy Leader Methodology with Tia Graham. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Hey, I'd like to tell you about a clothing line that I really love and I wear often. It's called Faherty, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y. It's a family brand founded by Alex, his wife Carrie, and his twin brother Mike. And their clothing channels the love of the beach and outdoors and all of life's greatest moments. Let me tell you a little bit more. First, they're passionate about craftsmanship, comfort, and sustainability. They have an ongoing partnership with Native Designers that support Native communities while helping end appropriation in fashion. And every piece is designed to be a lifetime favorite. I'm serious. And you know, if anything happens along the way, Faraday will fix or replace your clothes free for life no matter what. That is really cool. So there you go. Layer up this winter with their best-selling legend sweater shirts for men, women, and kids. Recycled high-pile fleece jackets and new frost sweaters. And I'll say it again, my wife and I, we have many Faraday clothing items, and each one is not just beautifully made. They feel great. They look outstanding. And as my wife says, they're cozy, cozy. You know, it takes that stress away of trying to match things that go together. We absolutely love our Faraday clothing, and we're always looking forward to wearing them. No matter what, no matter how many times you wash them, they fit and look great. So there you go. And Faraday is giving all the Tony D'Urso show listeners. An amazing deal, 20% off on your order. Head to faritybrand.com slash D-U-R-S-O-2-2 and use code D-U-R-S-O-2-2 at checkout to get this deal. That's code D-U-R-S-O-2-2 at Faherty, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y, brand, 
com slash D-U-R-S-O-2-2 for 20% off. FaradayBrand.com slash D-U-R-S-O-22. And that's the number two. So let me spell the whole thing. F-A-H-E-R-T-Y-B-R-A-N-D.com slash D-U-R-S-O-2-2. Guys, make your wardrobe simple and effortless. Visit Faraday. You're listening to the Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Erso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Happy Leader Methodology with Tia Graham. And check out my Elite Entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can listen to just about every interview I ever recorded at Tony. D-U-R-S-O dot com slash podcast. And I do mean all seven years of interviews are found on the master archives at Tony D-U-R-S-O dot com slash podcast. And now back to the chat with Tia. When you and you know another example of this is that I you know say is give consistent, specific, positive feedback. Of course, coach, you know, be a coach and help people improve, but Tell everyone what they're doing well all the time. It's free and it motivates people so much. So that's what this step is about. Was that two steps together? Because it's no, that was just one step. That was just one step. I could tell you about the next one, but wow, what a step. Very, very, very interesting. Can you believe that? The more you work with the person and build that relationship, the smaller your to-do list. I like that one. It's a very European type of mentality, by the way, which has been so foreign to the American culture. You know, Americans are, hi, how are you? How's your family? Sit down, talk. The Americans own, you know, are very, very different. I've said that before, very, very strong. And it's, it's changed now. It's morphed into the, the person in front of you is a person. He's not a number or a name. He's a real being. And if you work with that being, you've got more harmony to get more stuff done. And it is so, 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 so true. I think right now, three and four are, are super, super important. Great points. I say to the audience here, get the book, go to arrive at happy.com and learn happy leader methodology with Tia Graham. Tia, I just want to thank you so much. This has been very good. It kind of went fast. I could, I think I could do a whole series just on my comments on these points. If anyone's interested. Really, if you're interested, let me know. Tia, thank you so much for all this. Oh, thank you so much. And here's an insider's brief on how businesses take life centric paths to grow and sustain relevance. There's a new report by Accenture titled The Life Centricity Playbook Proven Strategies for Growth Through Relevance, and it raises the need for a new business playbook for growth, life centricity. This need comes amid the natural push and pull within customers' behavior today, noting increasingly unpredictable, even paradoxical behavior driven by life forces such as economic, social, environmental, and political instability. With us is Naveen L. Waraki, the global consumer goods lead at Accenture Sung. Accenture Song is the $16 billion creative tech unit of Accenture. Naveen specializes in growth strategies, digital transformation, 
e-commerce evolution and marketing operating models. Hi, Naveen. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Tony. Naveen, let's start here. What is life centricity? Life centricity is um, trying to understand people and the fullness of their lives because what we've seen over the last few years, as, um, as you said, a lot of instability, lots of black swan events since the pandemic, really, and that we seems to be continuing with us. Um, and therefore, understanding people uh, in the fullness of their lives, thinking of them as more than customers or consumers, understanding what changes in their behavior and their values is going to be critical for businesses so that they deliver relevance um, and growth into the future. And what's driving the importance of a life-centric approach to growth? What's driving it is the fact that people, like I said, have changed considerably. So purchase decisions are often paradoxical. They often um, reconsider their own values when they make those purchase decisions or engage with brands. But at the same time, they are focused on value because of the environment we're all in right now. So in reality, just understanding how that changes and how it impacts businesses and how they need to evolve to, to deliver relevance and growth is going to be critical. Can you describe the paradoxical consumer behavior that businesses are grappling with? Yes, and it's a, it doesn't manifest itself in the same way all the time. Um, like I said, the post-pandemic, a lot of people have reconsidered their own purpose, their own set of values, and therefore their own purchase decisions in terms of how they engage. Um, and yet, obviously, with all the macroeconomic environment we're in, value itself is becoming important. So therefore, people sometimes will think and behave as a certain way and then go and engage with a brand or buy a brand that's very different to what they're suggesting. So that behavior they acknowledge is a bit strange, but is reflective of the swirl of an environment that they're all living in right now. Now, what can leaders do to develop a life-centric strategy and create momentum for the future? Well, I think the very first thing we need to think about is how that change of behavior with the customer uh, means that we don't really know our customers in the same way we know them before. We certainly don't know them in the fullness of their lives as people. So our suggestion would be that from the research, what we found is that uh, the first thing is on having a profound understanding of people and how they make their decision. And beyond that, just create a bit more of a canvas for value creation for both the company and your customers in, in a different way, not just the financial measure, measures, but think about what you're delivering to people in the fullness of their life. The third thing I would say is around thinking around how you can explore the boundaries of the current industry. If you're selling a specific product or a service, think what more? What more would make this distinctive um, and differentiating in terms of what it delivers to people? Um, and then create a delightful experience continuum around it. So not just uh, sporadic experiences, but genuinely every engagement they have with the brand needs to be delivering that value. And lastly, something that people often ignore or um, don't quite realize is that the foundation of all of this is being able to have seamless and efficient operations behind the scenes to deliver it, uh, which implies the breaking down of functions and silos inside the company is getting more joined up and looking for alternative ways to deliver seamlessly. Naveen, why should businesses adopt these strategies? They should adopt it because our research suggests that the, the small group of companies that are already on that uh, journey are doing significantly better. So 
they we found through the research that they are three times more likely to outperform their um, peers on speed to market. They're five times more likely to outperform on customer life value. And also our modeling suggests that they're likely to outpace the growth of their peers by 9%. In reality, if you don't adopt some of these strategies, I think you're likely to see shrinkage in business. We really appreciate this information, Naveen. And before we let you go, where can we find out more information about this? As always, Accenture.com. There is the Life Centricity Playbook and much more. It's a pleasure, Naveen. Thank you so much. And here's an insider's brief about a new book titled Radically Human, which shows businesses how to drive growth by applying technology across human dimensions. I've spoken about this a few times. This is a very fascinating topic and subject. Dear to all of us, it's going to help us grow. And as part of this, technology innovation, well, it continues to accelerate exponentially. And we find that it becomes deeply involved and linked with human capabilities, sort of like you can't have one without the other, it seems. And as a result, technology solutions are empowering humans in, well, unprecedented ways. Business leaders must adopt a bold new strategic framework that challenges previous assumptions and focuses on the human issues of trust, experience, talent, and sustainability. And I really like the fact that there's this human element in it. Stay tuned. Check this out. With us is James Wilson. He's the Global Managing Director of Thought Leadership and Technology Research at Accenture. Hi, Jim. Welcome to the show. Good to be here, Tony. Jim, is a fascinating topic here. I love talking about AI. It's, it's very interesting. There's many facets to it. So I tell you what, let's open it up. Let's review your new book and let me kind of uh, poke around and ask some questions about it. The first thing I like to kind of get into is the relationship between humans and business technology and how it's sort of shifted. Yeah, it's a really uh, good question. It's an important question. I think, you know, we argue that, and, and we see this in the research, really, that we're entering a new stage of technology evolution, of in the ev- a new stage in the evolution of artificial intelligence. And you know, I, I think we we define artificial intelligence as systems that sense, comprehend, act, and learn. Uh, and usually, of course, they learn from data. Uh, earlier generations of AI, you could you could um, bake uh, logic and uh, knowledge in some cases into the systems, but increasingly they've become kind of top-down, data-driven. Uh, learners. And I think many of the advances that we've seen in AI systems over the past 10, 15 years have come from that machine learning paradigm. But one thing that we've really seen in the past year or two, and even as we were uh, researching and writing the book, we, we could really see that these new AI systems are learning to adapt to us, to learn from us. They're increasingly being engineered Uh, based on human capabilities, and they're becoming more natural as we interact with them. Um, So, you know, if you look, for instance, at new natural language technologies, there's been a lot of breakthroughs with large, what are called large language models and natural language systems. Uh, We've seen advances in 
uh, AI becoming more creative as a result of these advances in natural language processing. Um, you know, that another area is uh, generative artificial intelligence uh, as well, where again, AI is getting better at kind of doing ideation types of tasks. Um, there was an article uh, in the New York Times just this past week about how these more creative types of AI are going to uh, or can now help people think about and write their Thanksgiving recipes, for instance. So, you know, we're really seeing, you know, it sounds very futuristic, Tony, but, um, you know, we're, we're already seeing these technologies all around us, you know, in, in university classrooms, for instance, uh, students can now study new chemical compounds that AI has discovered, you know, so in just the past year or two, there's been a 200-fold increase in the library of known protein structures from AI. And, you know, of course, in the history of science, that's pretty unprecedented where you have a machine discovering protein structures in that way. And of course, that's going to have a, a huge impact on our health and disease treatment, you know, over the next five or 10 years as these uh, as these discoveries roll into commercial applications, um, we're seeing insurance companies uh, increasingly using AI systems to really uh, simplify and reimagine processes like the claims process. Jim, what I like about your book is the fact that you actually use the word human in it as opposed to something else, but you say it's radically human. And one of the things that I see in going through your book, and I could comment, we could talk about this for hours and hours. There's so much that I'd like to say about what you just said. But one of the things I want to focus on is that it's people, it's us. We AIs will never replace us. An AI can never be as intelligent as a human. But and it needs that human element. It needs that human. And I like to talk about why. Why do you think that, or do you not think that? Do you agree or disagree? Why is that so important that for the future of business that will help companies really succeed, i.e. the human element? Yeah, it's a great question. And we've done a lot of research on this area, kind of comparing uh, approaches that are all about kind of pure automation versus approaches that combine human and machine collaboration. And again and again in our research, we see that companies that emphasize human and machine collaboration get a much bigger performance benefit. They're able to out-innovate those companies that focus primarily on uh, automation and just uh, machine performance, if you will. So it, one thing that we see is algorithms certainly are becoming smarter, as, as you pointed out, and in a certain sense, more human-like, but it's ultimately then people who have to put that, who can put that AI to work to really innovate solutions and strategies. And that's what we talk about in the book. And we talk about a lot of examples of companies that are really thinking along those lines. How do I use these new, uh, more human-like technologies on the one hand, but also really innovate? I see. And just looking through your book here, one thing that caught my attention is that you, you, you argue that capitalism runs on trust and that that trust is, I guess, 
deep uh, its foundation is the human instinct. Can you give us an overview of what you mean here and kind of uh, explain this a little bit? Yeah, so yeah, we do point out capitalism runs on trust, you know, so you can call it the invisible handshake in a certain sense. And the truth of the matter is that we judge and trust companies in much the same way that we judge and trust people. In fact, you know, research that we talk about in the book, you know, shows that companies and brands are judged along, you know, kind of human-like lines, you know, in terms of warmth and competence to the point where these characteristics can explain nearly 50% of, you know, brand loyalty or purchase intent and so on. So in the book, we, we really look at that factor and we point out that, you know, these days, especially when we're talking about this new generation of AI systems, there are really five essentials to trust that companies need to know about. Um, the first one is humanity. Then, of course, security, which we're all conscious of these days, transparency and fairness. So as you're building your, your data models, you really need to keep, you know, keep them uh, visible to your team so your teams can ask questions about those data models and the, and the data models are unbiased and fair. Uh, and also privacy is becoming increasingly crucial. But that first one, humanity, is really... Uh, an important one for us and was a bit of a discovery um, in a certain sense. You know, when we were going around doing research, we started to see that companies were at, were really prioritizing that human component as they were building uh, systems. So, you know, one company that, you know, we've been looking at is um, NVIDIA, uh, which is a, a chip manufacturer, but they also build intelligent systems, for instance, for self-driving cars. So, NVIDIA is actually developing an autonomous car system that learns by emulating human driver behavior. And the reason why they're doing that is, of course, because drivers find uh, human behavior more trustworthy than pure machine behavior. Um, and they, they do that in practice and also in theory. Um, and NVIDIA is also, of course, you know, bringing in... Um, incorporating explainable AI into that system so that that AI system can actually show which human behaviors it's been learning from um, before they put it in, you know, into the vehicle and then out into the city streets. So that, you know, those, those are the five, the five big ones um, that we talk about in the book, Tony. Jim, I appreciate you sharing all of this information with our listeners and where can they go for more information? Best bet is uh, Accenture.com forward slash radically human. And we've got the, the details for the book there. And, you know, the, obviously Amazon and our publisher is uh, Harvard Business Review Press. And there's details about the book on there as well. But the best bet is Accenture.com forward slash radically human. Jim, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us about this. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. It's a pleasure. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took her vision to reality. We discussed Happy Leader Methodology with Tia Graham. We talked about some very important points about happiness, believe it or not. Yep, we talked about, well, first of all, is there a science behind this? Why is it important? Does it exist? We talked about some very interesting points. And I've mentioned some of my 
career or knowledge with this in the corporate world way back when. There was no happiness back then. Small joke, but mostly true. We talked about why leadership requires happiness today. They didn't need it back then to make millions and millions and bazillions. But today, it seems to be more and more important because you want to get that team behind you. So if you're an old schooler like me, it's a different story. It's, it's a different world. And Tia really explains why leaders need this. Why, why is that important? We talked about her new book and the eight-step methodologies in it. We talked about four of those steps. We were just about ready to go into some other points. Some of those steps we, we took a deep dive into. We drilled about them. You heard some of my stories. We discussed them. What did we discuss that resonated with you? What did you like about this so far? What did you learn? Please let us know. And please remember supporting the show with a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You can access Apple Podcasts from any web or mobile device. So please try and leave a kind review and share this with a few friends and help them too. Let's use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks. And remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds, and join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Erso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Tony D'Erso Show with his key influencers. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 